if you have good corners and good skills, then that makes a huge, huge difference. And also, there are also sometimes some corners in the in the sectors, and they also, yeah, there you can get a like a, can you can be gapped or you can make a gap. So yeah, these these small things they they can make a huge difference. G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, our title sponsor this weekend. Legends, Paris Roubaix, oh my god. I mean, if you get a show, any bike race to just a casual fan or maybe someone who hasn't uh, watched cycling before, professional cycling, and you wanted them to get into the to the sport, well, you'd show them Roubaix, no doubt about it. And it's so good now, we've got the men's and the women's edition. We've got two races and... For the next three episodes, which are coming this week, by the way, we're focusing on the women's race, Paris-Roubaix, Femmes, Avex, Zwift. Now, of course, Zwift are the title sponsor of the women's race and also the title sponsor of the Press Room podcast. So what are the similarities there? Obviously, huge entities, uh, both Roubaix and the Press Room, of course. But speaking of huge entities, one of the biggest guests I've had on the podcast ever I can't believe it. The world individual time trial champion and the current, uh, well, she's the current world individual time trial champion and she's the current European road race champion. Ellen Van Dyke from Trek Segafredo is our guest today and we're going to be talking about Roubaix this weekend, three days out from the race. Now, if you watched last year's race, uh, obviously her teammate Lizzie Dignan stormed away for the win with an 80k raid and Ellen Van Dyke, if you watched it, she was at the front policing that chasing group and she was a machine and um, obviously with her time trialling power, her raw power, she's um, going to be really strong this year as well so hopefully she'll have a real shot at getting up there again and maybe even taking the win. But not only that, about half an hour ago, I received a little bit of intel from Trek Segafredo, and they told me that Ellen Van Dyke is going for the hour record. Now, this is the first interview that she's doing about that topic. So we're getting the exclusive. How good is that? All right, legends, that's enough from me. Here comes the episode. Get on the ergo. Get on the commute. Roubaix this weekend. I hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers, guys. Ellen, uh, first of all, so nice to be chatting with you because um, you're just a beast of a cyclist. So it's really good to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for the invite. I guess I want to talk about Roubaix. Roubaix, um, so exciting. You must be just buzzing for this weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's what everybody thinks. To be honest, I'm not super excited. <laughs> I think mm. I'm one of the only few. Is that because, uh, well, why is that? Well, uh, I don't have the greatest experience with it from last year. Uh, yeah, of course, last year was a crazy edition with the, with the bad weather. Um, and it was super good with the team. I mean, Lizzie was uh, outstanding. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great race from, uh, from Trek Segafredo. But um, yeah, personally, I crashed four times. I was chasing since before we even started on the cobbles. And um yeah, I uh, in the last crash, I crashed actually pretty hard and I had a concussion. 
yeah. and this yeah this this like uh took me around three months to recover from it so um yeah i don't have the best memories from this race <laughs> yeah fair enough I, I do remember watching that crash was heavy uh on the in the gutter area of the, of the cobbles um that's interesting. It took you three months to recover. Wow. But you still finished the race. Were you feeling any of the effects of, of that crash like afterwards or was the adrenaline sort of getting you through it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I felt it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you're just racing and you have the adrenaline and you get a new bike and all you think is I have to get to the finish. And uh, yeah, I didn't really think about quitting the race or anything and uh, probably would have been a bit smarter. But at that time, um, yeah, you just have the, like you say, like the adrenaline and uh, the only thing you have in mind is getting to the finish somehow. So, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Jeez, that's pretty tough. Um, <laughs> does, I guess this year being dry compared to last year, obviously wet, a really unique situation. Are you looking at the race like in a different light? Like, does it feel like it's a brand new race because it's a dry edition? I really hope so. <laughs> it's my uh, yeah, my biggest wish because uh, also my boyfriend said to me, like, if it's going to rain again, you're just not going to start it. <laughs> he, he really didn't like watching it last year. Uh, oh, he was yeah. there also. But, um, yeah, he said, oh, I just uh, look with, uh, with, with hands in front of my eyes the whole race because he, he knew already I, I crashed a couple of times. So uh, I mm. think it's not, it's not a nice race for loved ones to, to watch uh, in these conditions. So I really hope that this year um, I can stay on the bike and uh, yeah, I can just really race it and, and uh, yeah, have some fun there and also, yeah, like really use some of, of some of the power that I have and not just chase back on and try to avoid crashes because, uh, yeah, of course, it's really part of the race. And I think the technical aspect of the, of the race is super important. But, um, yeah, I, I think a little less in the, in the dry conditions. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a rider like yourself, Alan, with your characteristics, um, you know, it, it probably lends itself to, you know, start the cobbled sectors at the front, right? Would you say, like, it'd be best for you to sort of just, well, ideally be first into the sectors and put down your time trialing power? Yeah, for sure. That's the ideal scenario. And also last year I knew that. Um, but there were already many, many crashes before we even entered the first cobble section. So, um, yeah, it's not that easy. And positioning is not one of my, my strengths. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a, a big battle for, for every sector, I think. And that's something that I really need to throw myself in uh, and get a little bit, uh, yeah, get rid of a little bit of the of the frightening that I have sometimes I'm, I'm pretty scared. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I for sure, uh, need to get over that this, uh, this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And what a race to do it as well. Do you guys do, um, you would have done some like recon of the course or not yet. Is that tomorrow? Maybe. Yeah, we did quite some re like last year we did already four times a recon, I think. Um, wow. it's the same course. Uh, this year we did it the day after Flanders which was perfectly timed. Um, and uh, today they are also doing a recon. But um, yeah, I choose to, to stay home today because I kind of know most of the sectors and uh, sometimes uh, rest is more important than, uh, yeah. than a recon. Yeah, okay. And when you guys do the recon, are you just like, do you go and ride the sectors only and then like, I don't know, like drive to the next sector or do you just ride the whole course? Are you repeating the sectors as a practice? How does that work? 
Yeah, so what we did right now is we started at the Ford sector. So we didn't do all of them, um, but we did then, uh, uh, there are 17 in total. So we did 13 sectors. And then actually what we do uh, usually is when we enter the sector, we start pushing harder because you just don't, you just want to get off it. So it doesn't help to write it easy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then and then I was uh, doing the reckon with Lucinda Brandt, uh, which was very nice because she's way more technical than me and I could learn a little bit from her skills. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, that, that it really helps to, to see all the, the, sec- the sectors. But at the same time, you know, in the race, you cannot choose where you want to ride because there will be riders everywhere. So it will be always different than in the than in the recon. Mm. Uh, is this like, of course, all the service, the different sectors, they have, you know, their own sort of unique characteristics with the cobblestones, how they're laid. But are the corners going into the sectors, like, are they just as important as the sectors themselves? Yeah, I think so because that's where you, uh, where your position is, uh, is based on the way you you approach the corner, the way you can go through it. Um, yeah, and the positioning is key, like you said already. So if you have good corners and good skills, then that makes a huge, huge difference. And also, there are also sometimes some corners in the in the sectors, and they also, yeah, there you can get a like a, can. You can be gapped or you can make a gap. So yeah, these these small things they they can make a huge difference. Yeah, and some of the some of the corners leading into and out of the the cobbled sectors, they seem to be like they're really uneven. You know, they might be like cobbled all the way through the corner, or you might go with cobbles to sort of sand, dirt, and then back onto cobbles. Like, are you looking out for those as well? Like those sort of areas. Yes, for sure. Uh, we look at those uh, those corners, and uh, yeah, th- this is where I can follow Lucinda a little bit because she has way more experience in dirt than me. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think you also have to see your feel your bike a little bit as it's more of a cross bike or a mountain bike. It's not a normal road bike anymore. We have different tires, different pressure, mm. uh, complete different bike, of course. Mm. So you, yeah, the bike is way more uh, flexible, and you can do way more with it than than a normal road bike. So you shouldn't be scared to use that. Um, mm. Yeah, and especially in these kind of corners. What what kind of um, like, are you using like thirty mil tires? Yeah, thirty millimeters. Thirty yeah. mils. Okay, and I've I've heard some other chat from a few other riders and teams like just how important the tire pressure is. Do you guys really like? dial in on the tire pressures can you ellen feel the difference between you know uh like a really small uh pressure change yes this is what we also do in the in the recon so we have um uh, a tire pressure which they recommend uh, mm. that's in the tires but then after some sectors you think oh let's do a little less or let's do a little more and then you can really feel if you're more comfortable on the cobbles or, or less comfortable so um yeah this is how you uh, yeah how you decide what you really want to write on the day. Hmm. Okay. It's really interesting. The pressures like it's only just such a small amount can make a big difference to the feel, I suppose. Um, yeah, for sure. The, the differences we're talking about is like uh, uh, 0.3, 0.4 bars. I think. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. super small. And do you have, is there any other sort of setup like changes to the bike that you do? Like, you know, you hear about the double wrapping of bar tape or, um, you know, different things like that. Is there anything about your bike that you're doing differently this year? Uh, yeah, we do have that, the double bar tape, if you want. 
And we also have um, more shifting options. So we have shifting also on the, oh, on the top part of the bar. Yeah. And also uh, in the drops and of course the normal shifters. So you can shift on three, three spots in the, in the bars. Um, yeah. And uh, next to that, yeah. I mean, we have such a good bike for it already. That's the biggest change actually change. Um, and um yeah, other than that, not really, actually. No, it's uh, also in the recon. I don't have any blisters on my hands probably after the race. I, w- I will have, but uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool about the shifters. I mean, three points. That's, I mean, geez, you might even shift by accident. You know, we've got three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only downside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ellen, what about. The nutrition, because we know nutrition is so important, eating on the bike uh, during the races. But I imagine in a race like Roubaix, especially last year, but of course this year as well, it must be like, is it hard to eat on the bike in a race like this? Harder than normal? Yeah, super hard. Just because there's no time, no no space to, to actually eat. So, um, yeah, basically you have to make sure you get a lot of the carbs from your bottles, from, from the drinks. And next to that, just gels, I realized, because, um, yeah, the normal bars or anything, it's way too difficult to eat and to chew also while you actually need to be busy with positioning and other stuff. So, uh, yeah, gels is definitely the way to go. Mm, Okay. And when you're, I've always, I mean, Ellen, I love food. So, like, I just love talking about this. And um, (laughs) I just want to know, what what are you going to eat for breakfast at Roubaix? What are you eating? Um, I will always eat uh, oats for breakfast and also uh, uh, for Roubaix. I think it's a good uh, good base and you can go quite long with it. So, um, yeah, we need some power food. So I think that, that will fit well. Okay. But everyone says oats, Ellen, but I want to know what's in <laughs> oats. Are you putting like, is there fruit in there? Is there nuts? Is there peanut butter? Like, do you put anything in there? <laughs> <laughs> you want more details uh yeah so usually uh, our chef makes the oats uh, sometimes i put a bit of uh, protein powder extra in it uh and then i put some of the um, uh, muesli over it and yeah i'm a little weird but i always eat a lot of uh, the rice cake so i break rice cakes in pieces and i put them on top <laughs> to have the crunchy effect uh, of it <laughs> um, and banana for sure never yeah. start a day without the banana Oh yeah, um, yeah, and then sometimes we also have some some rice uh, pudding, which mm. is nice, uh, easy to digest, and some other fruits if it's mm. there. Yeah, mm. but yeah. other girls also eat pancakes, for example. It's not my favorite, but yeah, these are the the options of the of the pre race breakfast, which is always the best breakfast, I think. Definitely, that's cool. And does it? Um, are you guys being looked after by Bram this time? Yeah, uh, I I think so. Last year, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know Bram, but uh, yeah. last year he did the cooking for us and was very successful. So let's for most of the girls. So let's hope uh, he will be there again. <laughs> yeah, well, Bram was my episode I released today with Bram. Ah, cool. I will, I will <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he, cool. He's an amazing chef. It's oh, yeah. uh, it's one of the best parts of our job that we have a chef mm. like that and have such such great food. Yeah. Now, legends, I hope you're enjoying this one with Ellen Van Dyke, the world champion in the individual time trial. I can't believe it. The European road race champion. It's just amazing to be sitting here chatting with 
one of the best cyclists in the world. It's just amazing. And I know it's kind of funny because I said on Maeve's episode, uh, you know, two or three days ago that it was really hard to get the women's guests. Um, And then I just churn out the individual time trial champ, no worries. But hey, it actually is. And I have to say a big thank you to Trek Segafredo um, for getting around the press room and um, letting me uh, chat with Ella Van Dyke because obviously super busy when you're um, that good. Everybody wants a piece of you. But let me just say, big thank you to Zwift. Big thank you to Smith Optics. You must check out the sunnies they've got. The Bobcat, I've got the Bobcat in the black uh, sort of matte frame with a photochromatic lens. I've been using those for a little bit now. And um, hey, if I was racing Roubaix and just getting ready to be spat out the back uh, before the first sector, I would probably go with the photochromatics, I would say. I mean, that's just my unprofessional opinion. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let's get back to Ellen, and I reckon there's a bit of world hour record chat coming on the backside of this. Thanks, legends. You finished Roubaix. You finished on Saturday. Awesome result no matter what happens. When you get back to, you know, the team area, what do you think, what would you love to see food-wise at the end of the race? I remember last year we had cheesecake in the in the bus after the race. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, of course, I was not happy, but when I... I, I <laughs> Straight away, I took a piece of cheesecake and that made me a little bit happier at that moment, for sure. Yeah, so I hope that will be there again. It was really, really good. Oh, that's good. That's the uh, the secret cure to um, heavy concussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's really good. So I guess a little bit of tactics talk. I mean, last year's race just... It was such an incredible result for Lizzie and the team. Um, obviously, Eliza Bolgini as well, uh, finishing on the podium. But with no Lizzie this year, um, well, in the perfect world, what would sort of, you know, uh, Trek's plan be? Obviously, you're not going to tell everyone the plan because all the teams, Ellen, are obviously listening to this podcast. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, how do you think the race will play out for Trek? Yeah, so we didn't talk tactics yet, actually. But, yeah, and we don't have Lizzie this year, but we have Lucinda. So we have a different uh, good ad, I think. And I think Roubaix is a race. I mean, you can never plan a race, but for sure, Roubaix, you cannot plan. So in the end, we have a lot of strong riders with different options. And I think we should keep them all. Um, mm. Yeah, try, try to keep them all as good as possible because... When anybody has a crash or a flat tire or anything, yeah, then then you lose somebody already. So I think it's pretty risky to go just for one rider. Um, and like you saw with Lizzie last year, Lizzie wasn't the leader of the team, but yeah, mm. she uh, she definitely managed to uh, to win it in an amazing way. So yeah, I don't think uh, in the end it sounds a bit stupid, maybe with tactics. I don't think they really matter in this race. The race goes the way it goes, yeah. and uh, you have to race it smart, of course, with your team, but you. Yeah, it's really hard to plan it, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a very good call. There's anything can happen. You can be at the front, someone can crash in front of you, um, or um, you can get a puncher. Like, and and speaking of punches, you must have lots of staff. Like, I guess you must have uh, at least a member of the team staff on every sector with a wheel. Is that how you do it? Yeah, which is pretty amazing because there are 17 sectors um so yeah after every sector we have uh people with wheels and with bottles yeah. um this is yeah this is also really nice because in our team we have a 
an extra team which is called uh, the Bidden Guys, and they are at every classics. Uh, they it's a it's a full team of friends of one of the team directors from our team, um, and they just stand everywhere and they always give bottles. So we basically we are never uh, never out of the, out of a drink or whatever. They are always always like you cannot even look somewhere and all of a sudden there's again uh, a bidden guy so uh wow. yeah these people are very helpful especially in races like this yeah that's incredible i love hearing that that's really good um that's really good insight how do you know it's it's are they wearing like a, a trek vest or is that how you know them? yeah so yeah um so yeah they they were always already with the men's races but since trek has a women's race they a uh, women's team they also do all the women's races so most of the time they wear uh, a men's jersey um but maybe on saturday a women's jersey i don't know but anyway yeah they will wear team cl- clothing yeah yeah i should wear the um your your training jersey you know that sort of salmon color that yeah would, yeah that would, be that would stand yeah. out yeah um Okay, so another question um, that I'm wondering about when you're doing your training, maybe a couple of weeks out from, you know, a couple of weeks ago and then in the recons, when you're doing your hard efforts, you know, real, real pushing it, are you thinking about like, do you sort of visualize moments of the race for Roubaix? Um, well, to be honest, as I'm not that excited about the race, I didn't really do it. <laughs> um, but for sure, when we do a reckon, then, yeah, then you start visualizing like, oh, maybe you can do this here or do that there or then varieties will be here or, you know, then it's getting real. real. But um, yeah, to be honest, I'm not, it's not like I'm dreaming about it since months already because I kind of, it was kind of a nightmare instead of a dream. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried to avoid it a little bit, to be honest. Uh and uh yeah but then when i was on the course i got the feeling again and i was like ah yeah it's not as bad as it's in my memory so let's just hope it's going to be better this year yeah yeah okay and you mentioned before when you were doing some of the recons with lucinda um lucinda brand absolute beast uh you had to go fast because going slow on them actually feels worse but can you describe because i've never ridden on the cobbles before i mean i've got brick pavers on my driveway uh, that are pretty bumpy um but mm. how would you describe the feeling the sensation of riding on the cobblestone sectors to someone who hasn't ever seen them before mm, yeah that's a interesting question uh, i think um yeah you you just bounce everywhere. Like sometimes um, when, when you go really fast on cobbles, it feels a little bit like you're in a wooden roller coaster, you know, these roller coasters <laughs> where from wood where you, like at one time you just get shaken up and down and you don't really see anymore where you're going because your vision is just blurred. Yeah. Um, so if you go really, really fast, that's that's how it's uh, how it kind of feels. But uh, when you go a little slower, you can actually see where you're going and, yeah, you're just busy trying to avoid holes and other stuff and riders in front of you, left, right, <laughs> everywhere, crashes. So oh. it's just so chaotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hectic. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's mental. Well, okay, that's Roubaix. Um, I have another couple of questions that I want to ask you. Obviously, today that it's been announced or you announced that you're going to go for the hour record which is Woo-hoo. so exciting. I love the track and uh, the hour record to me is it's such a, well, it's such a pure event. It's such a pure challenge. What is it about 
Ellen, the, the our record that really motivates you? Yeah, actually, it has everything in it for me that I'm I'm very passionate about. Um, yeah, of course, I, I like time trialing. I like being on my own, not having to fight for position. <laughs> uh, I love uh, being able to, uh, yeah, to really, um, how do you say that, prepare a project to really, uh, yeah, focus on all the small details. Mm. Also, I studied uh, human movement sciences, so kind of like sports sciences in the past. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this kind of uh, like a project like this really fits uh, into those kind of studies. Um, yeah, as, mm. as a time trialist, for me, it's the ultimate, ultimate thing you can do. So, um, yeah, uh, that's for me, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a dream that, that I have for, uh, for such a long time already. And it was um, because of course I'm always also scared for it. So many years I said, yeah, one day, one day I will do it. But uh, yeah, now the time has come. Yeah, well, it makes sense, you know, because you know traditionally many world time trial champions have gone and taken the world hour record, and it's it's just such a interesting um, challenge. And that's really cool that you said that you studied like human movement, sports science um, at university because there's so much science involved with the hour record. And um, I wondered, what did you, I, I guess you would have been thinking about it already, but have you like learned anything about the preparation for an hour record that you didn't know, something that surprised you? Um, well, of course, every day you, you, you kind of uh, learn stuff or, or see new things. Uh, the other day, last Monday, we went to the wind tunnel in France um and yeah of course it's all about aerodynamics and about um measuring everything like rolling resistance uh you want to have all the numbers so basically all you do is 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 gathering all the numbers together see what would be possible how it should be possible um what kind of watch i would need to push uh, how much this saves how much that saves which is super interesting everything but then bottom line is that i just need to push a lot of watts <laughs> And we can calculate, uh, you, we can make calculations uh, until the moon. But that, uh, yeah, bottom line is I just need to go and, and pedal as fast as I can. So I really love all the numbers and the calculations. But at one point, I also know I just need to go as fast as I can. And, and, and yeah, forget about all the numbers. It's not, it's not the real, it's not the real world, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's so exciting, though. We, the record is obviously held by uh, Joss Loudon, who is, is she from Great Britain? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. And and what's the current record? Is it 49, 48? 48.4 kilometers, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, that's Yeah, mental. it's really a lot, yeah. It's really yeah. nice because I'm also a bit in contact with her and she uh, she's a super nice girl and she, like, I also sent her a message the other day, like, hey, yeah, I'm going to announce it. I'm going to attempt the hour record, you know, but I just wanted to let you know that I have a huge respect for, for your record. And she replied like, oh, yeah, I think it's so cool. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, do an attempt. And uh, it's super nice to have this kind of support, you know, she's not, uh, uh, yeah, she's just super supportive, which is great. Mm. It's, the, our record's kind of one of those challenges that, it seems to motivate the everyone that's going for it to sort of be better. You know, like if you manage to take the record, then I'm sure Joss will be raring to try and take it back off you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like it that, it, of course, 
it's uh, you want to break it, but it's not such a competition between people, you know, it's more about the record. It's yes. not such a, yeah. And this is what I also really like. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course that's part of sports, but sometimes, yeah, I don't like so much the competition and not like a real competitive pe- person maybe, but I love the challenge with myself. And that's, yeah, that's of course in the, in the hour record that, uh, yeah, that's the ultimate. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully you can, um, who knows, maybe you can crack the 50. I think you can. Um, (laughs) I think you can. But what about the skin suit? That's obviously a very important part of the hour record. But I want to know, um, obviously, it's super secret stuff, the skin suit tech. But does it take a long time? It's hard to get into. Must be. Into the skin suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite tight, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Santini, they uh, developed a new skin suit now, and we tested in the wind tunnel, and it was uh, very fast. So yeah, this is the one I'm gonna wear, mm. and um, yeah, that's uh, that's the one we go with. Mm. Now I've heard. Uh, I think this is from Alex Dowsett when he was going for his hour record. He mentioned something in one of his YouTube videos where he said the skin suit for the track, or well, at least the one he was using was optimized for turning left only and okay yeah which was very interesting and also he spoke about having you know he said if like the skin suit if the seams are not quite aligned to the body perfectly it's not is you know it doesn't work is that kind of how is it that technical oh uh, well i didn't go into that much detail for sure in the winter when we tested it uh with straight wind but also a wind for uh, like the wind how the wind will affect you in the corners um mm. but uh yeah we don't have uh, different sleeves for left and right no. <laughs> interesting that's cool uh but you've you've been racing on the track um i mean you start you were on the track before you were on the road is that right Ellen? uh no i actually i was always doing speed skating as a real dutch girl on the ice um but then uh, i went into cycling and then when I had to choose for cycling and stop speed skating, then I started to do track cycling next to it in the winter. Oh, okay. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have the track cycling background, especially when it comes to, I guess, staying on that shortest line around the track. Yeah. Right? That's going to be a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, because of, or more, even more because, um, yeah, aerodynamics changed. So my position on the bike definitely changed. So you cannot see so much in front of you. So it's more difficult to follow the line than than it was before. Wow. Awesome. Well, um, Ellen, that's all we've got. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, Big week for you. But I just want to say it was a real pleasure to talk with the world time trial champion, the European road race champion, a real honor. So thank you. Thank you very much. legends that's another episode of the press room podcast done and dusted i can't believe i just got to talk with the world champion in the individual time trial and the current european road race champion um just amazing and you know of course you guys you know how much i love cycling i love it i love cycling and to be able to talk with these guests it's just amazing and I hope everybody enjoyed it. I really hope everyone enjoyed this chat with Ellen. And I hope you're enjoying the episodes I've been putting out because it really means a lot to me. 
uh, when everyone's commenting and, and sending me messages about uh, which episodes they liked and all that sorts of stuff. So please keep sending them in. I really like it. And, you know, this podcast, it's for you guys. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it if you guys keep enjoying it. All right, legends, I'm going to see you again tomorrow for Emma Norsgaard. Good Lord, it's going off. All right, guys, see you later.